Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Amen. Praise God. We appreciate you being in the house today. Luke chapter 7 and verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. A woman in the city, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought a alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And behold, she washed his feet with her tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head kissed his feet, anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him. For she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. How would you like for Jesus to tell you that? I'd make me shake in my boots. How about you? And he saith, Master, say on. He said, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered in thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they sat at meat with him, began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. I want to talk to you today about broken worship. 
broken worship. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this church that has gathered. These are your people. God, we are the sheep of your pasture, Lord. And and I pray, God, that you would help us today as we get into your word. Lord, that you would speak to somebody's heart. Help us, Lord. We are without you nothing. Lord Jesus, with you we are everything. Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing today in this service. In Jesus' awesome, mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Broken worship. We're not living in the My Three Sons or Ozzie and Harriet world anymore. I don't think that My Three Sons and the Waltons was a real depiction of what was going on even then. We have always been in a broken world. We've always been in a messed up world. There has always been abuse. There has always been heartache. But today, it's everywhere. Broken lives. You know, there was a time that normal, normally when you would win a family to the church, you'd get a husband and wife and a station wagon with about three kids. Living in a house with a white picket fence. And everything was just, you, you, just the, the same in that family. But today, we come and we see our world is, has got heartache and pain and brokenness. And so we are messed up people. Welcome to the party. What, is there anybody messed up beside me? Broken, had some heartache, had some issues. Amen. So what is the correct manner and the right approach for those who are broken to come before the Holy One of of Israel, the God of glory? What is the manner for the finite to come before the infinite God? What is the method that we that are, are human come before the one that is omnipotent? How about those that are unholy come before the pristine presence of his holiness. How can the natural match or meet with the supernatural? How is it that we that are broken and lowly peasants come before the throne room of the one who is the king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God? What kind of language can we speak? You know, think sometimes because we have the King James language and we have the King James Bible that if we, if we talk the King, Lang, King James language, that God would receive us. You know, you pray with thous and these and thuses and wherefores and whatfores and we, we come before the Lord with our, our King. It may help us if we put three marbles in our mouth and we're able to come before the Lord and speak uh, the King James language. Is that, <clears throat> well, King James is not the original language, so we, we, we're not talking the original language. So how do we approach? What kind of language do we speak? I remember flying in an airplane some years ago with Brother Jeremy Lang, uh, and, and, and you know Brother Lang, he, he, he's uh, part Jew, and, but we were pl- flying in this plane, and we got into a storm, and, and lightning was dancing on the wings out here. And this whole thing was going up and down, flopping, and it was one of the worst moments of my plane riding uh, life. And so I started praying out loud. I mean, 
I started, I wasn't worrying about who's around me. I was praying out, oh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, and by you all things consist. Hold this plane together. And Brother Jeremy Lane breaks out praying in Hebrew. I do not. I'm thinking, I can't, I can't say that. I don't know how to speak that. What language do we speak when you come before the deity? What kind of condition do you have to be in to come before him? What kind of, of, of life do we have to live? And we have a mindset that says, when I get it all right, I'll, 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 I'll be before him. I'll come before him if I get my life together. And if, if I was a better person, I would be able to approach his presence. There is a language, brothers and sisters, that is spoken that, that heaven quickly receives. It precedes the, the opening of prison doors. It goes before the deliverance of the oppressed. It goes before and the beginning of prayer and worship. No other method is quite as effective and efficient. No other language is quite as effective and efficient. It is not the lofty words of great vocabulary or pious repetitions. It's not an educated dialogue or some kind of salacious spin that we can put on our prayer. It is the language that only the heart can speak and the soul can speak. It is the language that transcends dialects and nationalities. I know that we don't all speak the same language when it comes to our, our, our native world that we live in. We know that amen and hallelujah is in every language, but there is another language that heaven receives. It is the voice of the weeping. It is the voice of those that are broken. It is the voice of those that cry out in humble surrender. It is the language of tears that fall down the face and, and drop to the floor. It is the language, these tiny messengers that come from such deep emotion, pain, and heartache speak volumes of the emptiness of a soul, of the heartache of a heart, of seeing that there is a need for an answer. In 2 Kings 20 and 5, the Lord said, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. And how did he say he heard his prayer? I have seen thy tears. I heard your prayer, and I've seen your tears. I can't afford to be accustomed to this world's apathy. I can't afford to become so encrusted by hardness and, and life that, that there is no tears connected to my prayer. And he said, I've seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Amen. The Lord here is telling us there's a connection between tears and God hearing our prayer. Are you thankful for that? Job said, my eye poureth out tears unto God. My eye pours out tears unto God. How the psalmist said, my tears have been my meat day and night. Have you been there? Have you been there where you have cried in the night and you've cried in the morning and you've cried in the noonday? Amen. You've gone through your work. 
wiping tears, wiping anguish from your heart, as it were. Amen. And, and the psalmist said, my tears have been my meat day and night, while thou continually say unto me, where is there what, thy God? Where is thy God? Where is thy God? But that same psalmist wrote, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that there is an outlet? I know that in heaven there will be no tears, but that will be because there will be no need for prayerful, broken worship. On the, on the other side of glory, amen, there's not going to be the brokenness that we need to release through our tears. The writer of Exodus, the Lord said, Thou shalt not delay to offer me the first, thy first ripe fruits and thy liquors. Well, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Offer your liquor. He's not talking about going to the package store and picking up some bottles of Jack Daniels and pouring that on the offering. No, he's, he's talking about the word liquors here means thy tears. Thy tears, you, 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 you want to come before me? Don't delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and your tears. Bring your tears. Bring your sorrow. Bring your pain to me. Amen. We think that Christian life sometime is supposed to be this placid, no ups and downs, no bumps and bruises. But first of all, that's not a reality of life. That's not a reality of where we are. Life is, is full of ups and downs. Amen. People that got money. Have problems. Amen. People that have a lot of land have problems. People that have nice cars have problems. People who have absolutely complete healthy bodies have problems. Life is full of issues and brokenness today. And we are living in a broken world where our tears are being poured out. My objective to you this morning is to say stop just letting your tears wet your pillow for no cause at all. Stop allowing your tears to just simply cross your face and drop to the ground. Take your tears and say this is going to be my worship. I'm turning my brokenness into my worship. I'm going to praise him even when I'm broke, even when my marriage maybe going in, in a rough spot even when I don't have what I think I ought to have when I'm healthy and when I'm not I'm going to let my tears stop being my pity party and let it be my praise let it be my worship to the Lord so a Pharisee a highfalutin religious folk invite Jesus to his house for whatever reason, Jesus and the Pharisees didn't mix. Jesus and the Pharisees didn't get along. Amen. And so Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to his house. But he sure didn't invite this woman. But this woman came anyway. And, 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 and listen to the introduction. The Bible gives us sometimes very little introduction to people. Very few words about them. You know, Rahab is a harlot, Rahab the harlot. Here it is, the woman, the sinner. She's a sinner. She's a woman in the city who's a sinner. 
But when she heard that Jesus sat at meat in this Pharisee's house, she brought with her her alabaster box of ointment. Amen. People at this time were clamoring for the attention of Jesus. This one who healed the sick, who healed uh, 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 the sick and raised their dead, she, a sinner, wanted a personal encounter and approach to him. I wonder how long she stood in the shadows watching as this event is taking place, as they're lounging at meal as they're going through their time and they're talking and maybe they're 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 talking about the eschatology subject maybe they're talking about all kinds of things that are beyond the, the normal hoi polloi that, that 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 people will talk about common things and and so she's sitting there watching and and she waits with what she has in her hand should I go in should I not should I step forward this is not protocol this is not normal this is not the way it's supposed to be done. But she began to think about her life. I don't know what kind of sinner she was. Some believe that she may have been a prostitute. I don't know, but she was a broken lady that had something to give to Jesus. And so with her blood pressure rising and abated breath, this woman, this sinner, steps out of the shadows into the place where they are lounging at meat, into the house of a radical religious Pharisee. But she's not concerned about whose house it is. She's not concerned about the conversation. She's not concerned about what is being fed in the meal. What she is concerned about is, I am broken and I am messed up. But if I can get to him, perhaps he would speak a word to me. Perhaps he would say something to me that would change my life. But I know I've got to get to him. I want to tell you today, the lack of desperation is killing the American church while we are going through motions and while we're going through Pentecostal kinesthetics and while we talk about things, there needs to be a rise of desperation that says... I'm broken, but I know where to go. I'm messed up, but I know where to go. My life isn't pristine, and I don't have it all together, but I know where to go. Does anybody know where to go today? Hallelujah. She gets past the emotions of what will everybody say. The thoughts and the feelings of everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows who I am. But I've got to get to Jesus. So this unnamed lady. Now listen, I, I preached this message in, in Spain and I had several people come up to me. I preached a message from this text in Spain. And I had a person come up to me and said, uh, well, what, that was Mary. Well, there's two different anointings. Two different women. Two different anointings, go study it. There you go. This story does not tell us who it is. It's an unnamed lady. All she is known is sinner. That's it. Sinner. Man, we don't even like to use the word sinner anymore, do we? That's, that's got a bad connotation. So she was viewed as sinner. It was a bold step. For someone like her to press in uninvited 
to approach the master in broad daylight to come into the house of a rigid Pharisee like Simon with a mission like hers. She had found out that Jesus was there and just knowing that he would be there gave her enough boldness to breach protocol, to ignore the jeers, the stares of the super holy and the super spiritual and those that have their pristine life altogether. But what she said, I will break tradition because I am broken. I will ignore protocol because I am broken. And she made her way to Jesus. Amen. What established modus operandi do we keep us from coming to Jesus? What self-imposed Pentecostal tradition are you willing to break to get to Jesus? What jeers of some self-righteous individual are you willing to ignore to get to Jesus? Amen. Are you willing to say, I'll bring what I have I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. The Bible said she stood at his feet behind him weeping. She stood at his feet behind him weeping. In those days, they didn't sit at a table to eat. They lounged on a couch-like thing to eat. And they propped themselves on their arm and eat or whatever the case may be. So she comes not to his head, but to his feet. She approaches him. She's weeping. I see a woman whose life was so messed up that she can't hardly see through the tears that are clouding her vision. She's convulsing with a burden of years of sin, of pain, of abuse, of things that didn't go right. She was broken. Amen. Her wailing... Amen. For this is what the word weeping means in this text. Her, her weeping here means wailing. She, she, she interrupted whatever their discussion was because she walks in at the top of her voice, weeping and crying and tears streaming down her face. The sounds of supper stops and, and everybody puts their food down and puts their drink down to see this strange and unique and, and, and unusual and out of order sight. The sounds of supper changed into the sounds of a woman that was bringing her brokenness as worship to Jesus. Can I tell you, we got to stop with this idea that we've got to be in a certain place in a pristine condition before we could ever praise God and come to Jesus, before we would ever come before him. Let me just tell you today, amen, this woman sets the precedent for how we should approach him. Humbly, yes. Broken, yes. Weeping, yes. Oh, but I've got to understand that if I can get to him, he just might touch me. She began to wash her, his feet. The first thing she does, she washes her feet. The word wash here in the Greek means to send down like rain. Poured it out on his feet. Poured it out 
on his feet. I am convinced and study that this woman actually brought two things with her when she came. She brought the alabaster box, but she also brought a bottle full of tears. Commentators believe that tear bottles were used among the ancients to collect the tears of mourners. These bottles were then placed in the tombs of the deceased so they could say they've wept over their past. Tear bottles were also commonly used by a young lady of the marrying age. She would catch her tears in moments of pain and anguish if she had gone unmarried. She would catch them as she would weep over her future husband. A prospective groom in the groom's family could tell a lot about the temperament of a woman when she would bring her tear bottle for observation. Was her heart tender? Was her heart tender? Did she care? So the tear bottle represented not only the weeping of yesterday, but the weeping about tomorrow. What will tomorrow bring? What will tomorrow be? The message in this bottle is tears past and tears future, mingled to be the tears of the present that would be poured on the feet of the Lord. She came and she poured them out, not only the tears that dropped from her face, but poured out of that bottle her tears. You see, she probably thought, I'll never have a future. I don't know, because of my condition, I'm such a sinner, there'll be no man that will take me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's no one that's going to take me. So I'm just going to pour these tears out on him. And I'm going to wash his feet. Hallelujah. I want to say today that our worship has, has got to start from this kind of place. A place of I have had some things in my past that I have wept over that I have cried over, that I have hurt over. I've had things that have destroyed my life and abuse and pain that I have wept over. And yet I don't see any future in my life. And I'm weeping over that future. But what she did is she collected those emotions and she came and poured them out on the feet of the Lord. This, my brother and sister, is broken worship. Amen. I've come to tell you today you and I need to package up the whole idea that we have some brokenness. We have some pain. We have some suffering. We've been through some things and we don't know about tomorrow. But today right here on June the 4th MPC morning service I'm going to take that and I'm going to pour out my hurt on the Lord I'm going to anoint him with my tears of worship I'm going to anoint him it doesn't mean that everything is alright she was not alright when will we learn that the best time the best time 
to worship God with everything we have is that when things are messed up, when things look discouraging, when things look tough, when is, when's the best time? What's the best time? The best time to worship the Lord is in the broken moments, in those moments when things are not going well, when things don't look good, when you and your husband are fighting. Oh, I got a my, my, my from Bishop. When, when, when you and, and your finances stink and there's more month at the end of your money, When your mind is cloudy, you got good bank account, got a good marriage, got everything's going great, and everything's fine, but your mind is cloudy. When's a good time to bring your worship to the Lord? What I'm trying to tell you is that the human condition is broken. The human condition is that we are all broken. When's the best time to come? Not with a little Pentecostal patty cake and whoo, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and go home and or head out somewhere to get something to eat. But the best time to worship God is to bring those broken things, those deep things that we bury, those things that we're saving for a future that we think is going to happen. And this woman said, I may never have a husband. Then she brought her alabaster box and she broke that. It was, it was, it was spikenard. It was 100% pure. And that was saved for burying. What she is saying is that put me in a stinky grave without a future, but let me pour this out on Jesus right now. Put me down as a pauper and bury me among the poor folks in a pauper's grave. But oh, let me pour this out on Jesus right now. I've come to tell you, quit worrying about whether your worship is pretty and nice. Let it be broken. Let it be broken. Can you lift your hands right now? Is there anybody got some tears stored up? Some broken worship. What do you say? Pastor, I don't have anything to weep over. How about those going to hell in Medora? How about those that are lost and dying without God right now? Bound by alcohol and drugs and hopelessness. You don't have anything to weep over? Weep over the houses around here and down here and at the corner and on the other side. Weep about them. Weep over empty baptistries. It's been a while since we baptized somebody. Come on. You don't have anything to weep about? Let me give you something to weep about. Let me tell you some things that we ought to be broken about. We ought to be broken about stale prayer and life that is cold. We need to be broken about that. The lack of, of seeing the Holy Ghost demonstration and the lack of seeing revival. Hallelujah. Sister Jenny, I thank God for what God did for you Thursday. All the way up to late in the night, this lady was praying and seeking God. And I, I, I got a video of it, Sister Jenny. I just want you to know. And I wept when I saw it. Here is a lady just praying for revival in her front porch. Oh, I would to God that there would be some of us that would say, I'll weep for that. I'll weep over the sick and the suffering. I'll weep, weep over the homeless and, and the hungry. I'll weep over Babylon's alphabet 
alphabet messed up world. I'll weep over this Pride Month business. I'll weep over the abused and the forgotten. I'll weep over backsliders and lukewarm people. I'll weep. I'll weep for churches that are dead and silent prayer rooms. I'm going to weep over these kind of things. You don't have anything to weep about. I just listen to you some things to grab and say, oh God, I'll put up some bottles of tears for that. Don't waste your tear and your pain over something or someone who cannot help you. Pornography will never help you solve your problem. Alcohol will never help you solve your problem. The world's knowledge and intelligence of high degrees will not solve your problem. Sitting on a psychiatrist's couch will not solve your problem. It may help you, but it won't solve your problem. Only Jesus. That's why this woman said, forget protocol. I'm not worried about where I'm at. I don't care what anybody else thinks. This girl is tired of being only known as sinner. And so I have found a Savior whose name is Jesus. And so I am going to run to him and I'm going to pour out not only my tears, but I'm going to pour out my perfume. That is, brothers and sisters, broken worship. Lamentations, and I, I heard Pastor David talk about this the other day, about Lamentations being one of the tough passages. Well, it means lament. Okay, so it's not like there's a hidden message here, what you're about to get. It's lament. Lamentation 116 says, For these things I weep, my eye, my eye runneth down with water. For these things I weep. For these things I weep. You got anything that you're weeping over? You got anything that's really just saying, maybe that, that we become so calloused and nothing moves us, but we need to have some things that we weep over. Chapter 2 and verse 19 says in Lamentations, Arise, cry out in the night, in the beginning with the watches, pour out thy heart like water before the face of the Lord. Pour out your heart like water. Pour out your heart. Oh, Nah, brothers, we're tough. We don't cry. That's be tough, don't cry. I'm not talking about sissy crying. I'm talking about heart, gut-wrenching things that we need to pour out to the Lord. Lamentations 3, 49 and 50 said, My eye trickles down and ceases not without any intermission. Stop. The Lord only knows we can only handle so much, but sometimes tears flow incessantly. Then look at verse 50. He said, till the Lord look down from heaven. Till the Lord look down from heaven and behold from heaven. God is so attracted to broken people. He is attractive to people who have a broken heart, a contrite spirit. 
Matter of fact, the psalmist said, David in his repentant psalm, 51, said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, thou wilt not despise. Come to him. <clears throat> when Josiah heard that the wrath of the Lord was coming against the people of Judah, he humbled himself before the Lord and cried out, and this is how the Lord responded to Josiah's prayer. He said, because your heart was tender and because you humbled yourself before me, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer, and I will, I will come before you. Amen. Let me just tell you today, God responds to that. God responds to that. Uh, <clears throat> I know that we think we're living in a world that we've got to be of a certain persona. That we've got to be, everything's got to be all right. If you think for one moment that your pastor has no brokenness, no problems, no issues. Man, I've got you fooled. But I will tell you, the times that I am the most broken, I have learned if I will come and pour this out before the Lord with all of my heart. That's your job. No, it's not my job. That's not my job. It's got to be my, my life is to worship him, is to worship him. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm talking to somebody today that you feel like the tears of your past and the tears of your future because you don't think you have one is all just mingling into the tears of the present and you wonder what to do with them. What are you saving them for? What are you saving them for? When Jesus is in the house, would you lift your hands and praise him for just a moment? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to remind you, not everybody will get your broken worship. Not everybody will understand your broken worship. The story says, when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw this, what this woman did, he spake within himself. And if you needed to know whether he was God or not, listen to this verse. So the Pharisees spake within himself, and he said, if he were a prophet... He would have known what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she's a sinner. How many believe that Jesus knew she, who she was? How many also believe that he knew who the Pharisee was? And Jesus said to him, he has not said a word now. Simon's not said a word, but Jesus says to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. There was a certain creditor which had two debt, debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most, which said, thou hast, what Jesus said, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman as if to show as a prop and an example. He pointed at her and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered in your house and you gave me no water for my feet. I entered in your house and you gave me no worship. You gave me nothing to wash my feet. Amen. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with her 
heads of her, the hairs of her head. Thou gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Amen. I know that that sounds strange in our American culture, but she was humbly submitting to this lordship of the one that could help her. And what she was saying is that this is the best I've got to give. All I've got is these tears. All I've got is this perfume and my kisses. That's all I have. Amen. Is that where you are? All you've got is your tears and maybe a little bit of something that you've saved for your future. But, oh, praise be to God, broken worship will come and say, I lavish that upon you today. I lavish that upon you today. Worship without brokenness becomes pharisaical self-righteousness where we manipulate God in attempt to manipulate God rather than to pour out upon him our praise and our worship, our praise and our worship. I just want to tell you, you may not understand my worship, but I want to tell you this. It's birthed from the pouring out of tears and excellence. That's what it's got to be. I'm not saying the worship is perfect. I'm just simply saying we're going to worship. It's got to come from the tears and the perfume. The psalmist said, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praises to the name of the Lord most high. I will greatly praise the Lord, he said, with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and the congregation. He said, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Praise him for the Lord is good. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Praise is the heart's passion. A man that says, oh Lord, I can't stop praising you, but I want you to know, Lord, I am bringing my worship that is broken. If you look at the conclusion of the story where Jesus said to Simon and those around him in 7 and 46 of Luke, my head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, listen, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same love little. And he said to her, listen, these mark these simple words. Thy sins are forgiven. All the mess up of years of a life that everybody knew and pointed fingers at her and went, oh, there she goes. There she goes. Stay away from her. Don't have anything to do with her. All those years and the uncertainty and the unpromised of hope for tomorrow all before her. It's worth it all if you bring that to the Lord to hear him say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. 
And those that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. So her brokenness flipped. Her broken worship flipped to a blessing, to a promise, to forgiveness. Because when she brought her broken worship, Jesus responded in kind and gave her freedom and gave her peace and gave her joy. All these other people that didn't understand it, he didn't even just have anything else to say to them. But what he said was, woman, you're forgiven. You are free. You now have peace. You now go. Amen. We are living in a world today that is so riddled with guilt and shame. Shame because of this thing. Shame because of that. Shame because we did this or shame because we... Can I tell you, bring your tears. Amen. If you truly want to be free of that and overcome that, then bring your tears and bring your brokenness and bring your broken dreams and bring your broken possibilities and bring them to the Lord and say, God, I don't have any other recourse, so I'm going to pour it out on you. Stand to your feet. God is not looking for perfect worship. He's looking for broken worship. He's looking for people that he says live holy, and we know we can't. And so we come to him again. Today, I'm going to make an altar call like this. If you have any tears, if you have any brokenness, if you have any pain from your past, or any hope for tomorrow that is broken, if you have any issues of failure, of feeling like you're unworthy, feeling like you're an outcast, feeling like that nobody, nobody can do anything for you, this altar's open. This altar is open right now. It's open for broken people. It's open for those like the woman with this, this, this alabaster box and her bottle of tears that have come to the Lord and say, I'm going to just pour this out to you. Anybody, anybody today can come and bring their brokenness? Come and bring their brokenness to the Lord today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, you may feel like that everything's fine. Well, then look at the world and cry for our broken world. Somebody ought to bring their tears today and just begin to pour them out on the Lord. Hallelujah. Today, Lord Jesus, this is, this is, this is, this is where I'm at. Lord, this is where I'm at. I can't go back and fix the past. I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm going to worship you anyway. I can't undo the tears of yesterday. Lord, and the possibility of the tears of tomorrow. Oh, God, I'm going to bring them to you right now. I lay them, Lord, on you. I pour them on you. I don't just lavish my perfume on you. I don't just lavish, oh God, the spike that I want to lavish. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our 
ministry.